Welcome back to One Book That Changed My Life, where entrepreneurs and experts share one book and the life-changing principles they applied. If you love that flash, that spark of inspiration when a great idea just leaps off the page at you, but you don't have time for all the amazing books you run across, then this podcast is designed for you. In each episode, you'll discover business books, past and present, that are changing the lives of people just like you and come away with insights you can put into action right now. So let's jump into the latest book. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the one book that changed my life. I'm super excited for my guest today, Jasmine Jante. We're talking about uh, really, what is it? Think and Grow Rich. How have we not covered this book before, which we're chatting about before we hit record. So if you don't know her, you absolutely should, especially if you're in the coaching consulting space where a lot of my friends and clients are. As you know, if you're listening to this, you're probably tied to that, that space in some way. Maybe you're a speaker, author type, or you want to teach, train, and lead in some form. And if you want to do that, inevitably, you're going to run across the idea of creating a course or creating some type of group program with a course component, because the bottom line is you want to reach more people and you want them to actually get results, which is kind of the important part. Uh, so that's why you need to know someone like Jasmine. So we're going to talk a little bit about the book that changed her life and how she has arrived where she's at today. So she is the founder of a done for you course creation agency. So it's kind of a, a mirror image of what we do here with the podcast production uh, works very similar. You show up and shine and basically her team does all of the rest of it. Uh, really, really interesting and fantastic service that's very they're needed. There's a lot of, um, I don't want to say a lot, just there's probably, I would say, a fair number of consultants. So in other words, people that will tell you or they'll help you map things out. But then essentially, they're giving you a plan that you walk away with. And it's like, okay, nice pat on the back and go ahead and go build all that. Have fun. Um, <laughs> you, you actually do it. Uh, and that's the thing that I noticed about my clients is like you, that the consulting pat you on the back, that only gets you so far, there's maybe 5% of people that are actually going to go implement. So yeah, it's definitely something that's needed. Uh, you've also been personally coached by Tony Robbins, which is hilarious and interesting. Uh, <laughs> your, your main place for uh, hanging out is Instagram. So everybody should check you out. And you were a former teacher in the, uh, uh, I would say the lowest performing school in the country in Detroit. So I'm going to ask you about that. But uh, first of all, officially welcome. Thank you. Thanks yeah. for having me. Quite an yeah. intro. <laughs> Thank you. Um, well, let's uh, let's start with uh, let's start with that. So, what year was this? You find yourself teaching in the lowest performing school. Did you set out to do that? Was that something that you got in where you basically attacked that that assignment directly intentionally? Yes, yeah, so it was twenty twelve. Uh, I graduated college twenty twelve. Graduated with a music education degree, actually, okay. and uh, I found myself wanting to give back. So I joined Teach for America, which is a program that places high-performing people inside of low-performing schools in an effort to support those students with a really fantastic education. So my kids were amazing. They grew a year and a half of worth of learning in one year with me. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I definitely set out to do it. I knew it would be challenging, underestimating quite how challenging it would be, but uh, it was like the learning there is really what gave me not only the how to teach like the education skills to do what I'm doing now, but it also gave me a lot of resiliency. Um, because I can look back at that and say like, there is not like entrepreneurship. Yes. Is very hard. Not nearly as hard as that. (laughs) And everyone, all the entrepreneurs are like, this is the hardest job in the world, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, Oh my goodness, go try and teach 28 little ones. Mm-hmm. You know how how to write their name, how to, their uppercase and lowercase letters. Like you think tracking your business is hard? Try tracking all of those student numbers. So um, yeah, it's it's been a good. It was a good way for me to 
to learn lots of things that make me successful now. Yeah, I was going to say, I've been coming right out of college. That's kind of being dropped into a very rude awakening, very Mm -hmm. harsh introduction to the real world, quote unquote. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so let's set the scene a little bit. Um, so think and grow rich. When, when did you come across the book and what was, what was your life in your, I don't know if you had started your business uh, at that point, but just kind of set the scene of what you were, where you were at, what were you doing at the time when you ran across the book? I first heard about it through a Tony Robbins event. It was my very first UPW and he mentions it on stage and other people who were on stage mention it. And it came up like four or five times. And I thought, Oh my gosh, I've written the name of this book down a lot. I should probably go and uh, try to read it. (laughs) And at the time I was about six months into full-time business, really, really struggling. I was running my own coaching program at the time, which was more in the health space. So I I built a lot of my own programs before I started building programs for other people. Kind of like, you know, you did your podcast before you started helping other people launch Mm -hmm. podcasts. And, um, yeah, I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, I have to read this. I have to get through this. But I had the hardest time reading it. Do you do you remember the first time you read Thinking Grow Rich and like all the old tiny language? Oh, I mean, unfair advantage. I started I started reading theology books from the 1800s when I was like eight because my dad was a pastor. So no, Thinking Grow Rich was like the the light side because I had read some really obtuse, insane stuff when I was younger. So yeah, but I know what you mean. It's very, it's very old school, early 1900s language. Yeah, it's pretty funny now. Yes. So for all of us who didn't read theology books, it yes. be I'm not saying it was a great idea. I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, I'll just never forget picking it up and trying to get through it. And I really couldn't get through it. And uh, so I found, I used one of the principles in Thinking Grow Rich, probably the principle that changed my life the most, which is the mastermind principle. And I found a handful of people from the Tony Robbins event that I went to. And we all just collectively decided like, we should read this book. We're all having trouble with it. Like, let's read it together. And I got the audiobook and I read it at the same time. And something about like having both of those modalities really helped me get through it and understand it. And it was uh, at a time I didn't really know much about like manifestation. You know, I wasn't very in the woo space, but I, I was like, okay, this is makes sense. It's kind of bringing together all of these things. And I, I think that if I had to pick one, like if I was only allowed to read one book, right. To help me grow my business, it would probably be this one. Ooh, interesting. All right. That might be the quote of the show right there. Okay. <laughs> all right. So you, you basically use the mastermind principle to get through the book to begin with. You're struggling. You're six months in. Okay. So you've got your health programs going. Obviously, you shifted away from that in the meantime, but you built some programs for health people as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was what was the I guess um, what was the first big idea that kind of made an impact on the business? Desire backed by faith was always the piece, right? So okay. first chapter is desire, second chapter is faith, and mm-hmm. it's these things that that we feel are in, often in opposition, right? Like, oh, I, I have desire, I really, really want this. And then we like cling to it and get attached. Mm-hmm. And when you're attached, you're lacking the faith. Because if you if you have the faith, you can have that desire, but be detached and like feel in flow and then allow it to come to you, whatever the desire is. And so I realized I was really struggling with this idea of letting go. And I'll never forget, like I put out a, um, like when I, like this first time that what it felt like to let go, mm-hmm. I wrote a, um, I like wanted to do some event or something. I was trying to manifest some money 
And I wrote down like whatever the number was. I can't even remember. It was like $4,000 or something. And I'd used the exercise from the book. You say your desire statement and I have X amount of money and I just put it away. And I was like, okay, so if I have faith, then I just put it away and I know it's coming to me. And I went about my business and I set a date. It was a Monday. I did it. And I set a date for Friday and it was Friday afternoon. And I'm going through some old like accounting, like I had different 401ks and I was like, cause I'd been a teacher in multiple schools oh, and I'm trying yeah. to like bring these things together And I found a retirement account that I forgot that I had with the exact amount of money in it that I put on that sheet on Monday. No way. For real. For real, for real. And I was like, oh my word. Like, wow. Can that really... But I really think it was in the like, I'm saying forgetfulness, but really in the forgetfulness is also the faith. Okay. Right, right, right. You just kind of set it aside. Yeah. Your subconscious is, yeah, the kind of that Hill's idea is like your subconscious mind is, you know, like once you set that desire and that intention, your subconscious is scanning and just Mm -hmm. is more aware, you know, Um, let's say you hadn't set that desire. Maybe it would have been six months until you spotted that paperwork, or Mm -hmm. maybe you would have looked at it and not connected it that that's what you need. And you may have just flat out missed the opportunity. So yeah, it is, it is interesting, right? That goes back to, um, um, I mean, they're like psycho cybernetics talks about this. That book yeah. was written in the sixties, which I love. Yeah. There's just, if you, if you set a really strong desire, strong intention or whatever, it's not that you don't have to take action is that your subconscious mind starts looking for which things, ways. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which with path to take or, or, you know, you start scanning for just new opportunities and you're more likely to, to find them when you're looking for them. So, so that makes sense. Um, did it affect, um, kind of the direction that the business took from there? And massively because I had these results in my own life and I had done this with a, a group of friends in a mastermind and I realized how much this book was in line with Tony's teachings. Mm. And I thought, you know, like everybody goes to these events and everybody thinks I have to read this book and nobody actually does because it's a hard book to read unless you have been reading theology books. And uh, I was like, you know what? Like, what if I like did this for other people? And so there was like probably a year well, where for free, I would just connect people and mastermind groups from events. I was just like, I would meet people and network and I would like play matchmaker and I'd be like, go. And then someone said to me, because I'm my own business, right? I'm doing this health coaching stuff and it's going okay, but it's not great. I'm like falling out of love with it. Someone said to me, well, why don't you just like, do that, like just actually facilitate mastermind groups around the book and how that intersects with Tony's teachings from events so that it goes deeper and you're surrounded by the right group of people rather than going to this amazing event and then going home and like being by yourself in your own, you know, the, all your old patterns. And I was like, okay. And like, that was the next level of my business was like, I, I mean, I signed like 85 clients in a week. Like it was insane. Just people that all wanted to have those same types of, of discussions. Exactly. They wow. just wanted the people. They wanted that mastermind principle. They wanted to go deeper with the teachings. They wanted to actually apply all this stuff. And, uh, you know, I kept the group. I was running like 10, 10 calls a week because I was so, I wanted to be strict with keeping to the mastermind principle of like 12 people. And I didn't expect to get this, you know, how sometimes you put an offer out there and you don't expect to have to fulfill on that many. well I did and I fulfilled and so it was like 10 calls a week for months and but it was great and like those are still my you know they talk about thousand true fans like those those people are still my raving fans that have helped my grow my businesses then I you know I eventually closed that down and shifted into the content piece which I like the most so 
so on. So it basically lays the groundwork for the network that you have. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So that makes total sense. And that's a really good just example of like kind of saying yes randomly when you're in the early stages. Um, it's really like when you're when you're a young entrepreneur, that's really phenomenal advice. Just just try out a bunch of stuff, say yes, and just kind of see what has that immediate response, that like kind of unreasonable, unexpected mm -hmm. success. Um because yeah, it can always lead to new and fun and exciting things. All right. So you build start building this this network. Is that when you started to see the need of, you know, just like the, the stuff that eventually led to doing the courses? You were already doing your own courses. You saw that you were skilled. I think you you mentioned in another interview that you bought somebody else's course and you weren't super impressed with it, which I find hilarious. Um so you had that experience and you go, okay, well, this is something I can do. Uh it probably helped to have to have that network of people who were, you know in that, in that self-development, personal development, mm -hmm. business development kind of space. You're already in a little bit of network. So it sounds like things started to come together partially because of that as a direct result of the book. Yeah. It was, it was the fact that I could build content around something and that I could see all like a really large pool of people all get results. And it was like, wow, okay. The theme here across the multiple different businesses and offerings I have, cause once I did the think and grow mastermind, I did a time management mastermind. I did a digital marketing mastermind and leverage different experts and things. But I real the, the common thread was that people always got results in my programs. We're talking like 400% business growth in a matter of four to six months, mm -hmm. like consistently. And I thought, okay, for some reason, I can't seem to scale anything. <laughs> <laughs> but anything that I start crushes it. So how can I take that? What I'm really good at, how can I take that thing and scale that, which is how the course creation agency came to be on the back of like, wow, I always get people results. And wow, there's a lot of crappy programs out there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the pain and the pleasure, if you will. <laughs> no, no kidding. Well, I think we've all been there when you realize like, holy crap, this is not going to scale. Or I thought it would scale, but it's just not, it's not setting the world on fire. Hey, it's Matt. And if you want to turn your expertise into a lifestyle business without spending all day on social media, that is the question I am obsessed with. And you can get all of my podcast episodes, articles, sketches, videos, etc. It all goes into the Microfamous Field Report, which is available only on Substack. So go to microfamous.substack.com, enter your email address to get access for free. And now let's get back to the conversation. All right. So put your, uh, I guess, put your agency owner hat on for a, a couple of questions, right? All right. So you talk about getting results. Um, setting aside the basics of you didn't put time into your course, it was slapped together, like, you know, none of my clients have that issue, right? Yeah, totally. We're talking about we're talking next level problems, right? So so you have you've taken the care to put a first and maybe have a second and third draft of your course together. You're sending people through it. The people that do go through it get results. You're having you're having trouble, and you're getting new people through it. So that's not necessarily an issue. Um, what are the things that hold people back at that second or third iteration of their course that keep them from getting the kind of results that that are scalable? You know. Uh, so what's like once you've kind of gotten the basics out of the way, what's the next set of challenges you hit? Not adding everything in the kitchen sink to the program. As in, stop doing that. As in, stop adding stuff to the program yeah. <laughs> and start thinking about start start thinking about like what can I cut? Yeah, yeah. That's the most important thing. And instead of adding more content, what are the resources I can use that will shortcut it for them? Yeah. 
So yeah, I think you said something about basically, yeah, I, I don't remember exactly how you phrased it, but yeah, start looking for what was that? The minimum viable course you need to get some minimum of the results. Product, yeah. Product, yeah. Just the yeah, MVP. I, I think of it like Goldilocks. You know, you don't want to do too much. You don't want to be too little. You like you just want to be right. Yeah. Um, and I would say the second thing is meeting all learners. So we've got visual, auditory, kinesthetic learners, and that's pretty easily done. Auditory learners, you can use a private pod for a podcaster. You can use a private podcast feed and you can yep. take all of your videos and strip the audio and put them in a podcast feed. Your user consumption is going to go up immensely. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite tool for that is called Hello Audio. Oh, okay. um, it's pretty rad. And then for your visual learners, they have the actual, you know, video of you typically, but can you take that content and repurpose it into a manual so that when they come back, they can just read it. They don't have to watch a video. They can just read it and understand the writing. And then for your kinesthetic learners, create a way for them to take notes um, intentionally on what you, what, what you're teaching. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Those are things. And then I'll add on like a bonus piece here is socialization. Uh, a lot of people in programs, especially teaching, they have the content and then they have these uh, calls you know, once a week, bi-weekly, et cetera, to talk to the expert. However, students really learn when they get to talk about what they're learning. So rather than it being about the expert, have time available for them to connect and talk to each other about what they're learning and, and work through the material. Um, yeah. I'm not well, seeing that done really well anywhere. So if you do that really well, kudos. It's tough. It's tough because people are people. And that uh, the, the tough part about um, courses when it comes to actual people is that you've got a certain percentage of people that don't want the accountability because they know they're not going to follow through. You've got a certain percentage that do and it, they'll, they'll sign up for the accountability and they'll flake out. You've got all those dynamics kind of happening. And so there's only, a, you have to resign yourself to there's a small percentage of people that will actually sign up and they actually do want, I mean, think about your experience at the masterminds off of Tony Robbins events. That's probably, you know, a hundred out of a thousand attendees will even be interested in something like that. Everybody else just wants to go back and kind of ride the emotional high for a little bit. So I would, I would tend to agree with you. One of our clients, I think does probably the, one of the best jobs that I've seen, or at least makes the most attempt, which is in the back end of her membership slash group, mod, uh, group coaching model. Um, they are attempting to matchmake. And they also have a couple of progress coaches. And when people are posting things, they have a private Facebook group that's only for those members. And they're encouraged to share their stuff in progress. And then the progress coaches and my client herself will actually go in and record looms where they say, okay, great. Screen share, bam, here's what we need to change. Change this, change this thing. Just This is good, leave that. And basically give people real-time feedback, which everybody can see. But it's, yeah, like it, that setting up those two-way kind of accountability relationships is really, it's a big challenge. So yeah, I can see the people that do it successfully really well. So basically you've got take more out, look for things that you can cut and get, get it down to the minimum viable so people actually take action and then hit all the modalities for all of your learning styles. Those are the two biggest things. Got it? Yeah, I would I would say those are the top two. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so shifting back to the book. Yeah. So you've kind of found your niche. You have this amazing niche. Uh, you're working with a lot of the same people that I like to work with and probably for a lot of the same reasons. They're really awesome, amazing people. And we would like to help them make an impact and stuff. Is there anything now that looking back on Think and Grow Rich, you know, it's been years since you read it, had this amazing, you know, trajectory changing impact on your life. Is there anything that still sticks out after all these years or anything that you noticed about the book once you picked it up and flipped, a, flipped through it again? Um, one One story has uh, taken on a new meaning for me. It's the Three Feet from Gold story. 
Do you mm-hmm. know that one? Yeah, it's been a long so, time, but yeah. You know, this guy, he he goes and he, he searches for gold and he hits a vein of gold and then he comes back and he can't find the vein again. And so he sells all of his things to this junk man, all of his equipment, and the junk man finds an architect and the, or whatever the name is for the guy who looks, who can tell where the gold is under the ground. And he oh, goes yeah. and he, he actually finds the vein of gold. And now, you know, this junk man is like millions and millions and millions of dollars. Um, and so the saying is don't quit because you're three feet from gold. And I think a lot of times that actually has done damage to myself and my friends because in the industry, my peers, because we're afraid to let something go because we think, oh, we could be three feet from gold. When in often, oftentimes the letting go is what allows you to find the gold mine. So rather than thinking of persistence as toward your like specific outcome of, you know, the deal you're trying to make or the partnership you're trying to close or whatever, think of it in a, in a broader sense of I'm going to get to the gold mine. There's many ways to get there. I'm just changing my approach because this isn't working. And in the letting go is what allows you to find it. Does that make sense? Total sense. It's um, one of the very first episodes that we recorded uh, was about this book called Necessary Endings. Does that sound familiar? Never heard that one. Uh, and it's it's worth it just for the couple of chapters for the for the analogy that I'll share, which is the rose bush. Right, a rose bush produces more buds than it has the life and the nutrients to support. So, in order for a rose bush to get the best results, you need a human being that comes along and prunes it, right? Like wild rose bushes don't look like ones that are curated. And um, like when you take that into our world, like you realize that, hey, like we're all entrepreneurs, we're going to have a lot more ideas than we have the time and energy to support. Great. That means that, you know, there's going to be things in there that we need to cut off. But because we do that, then the things that we keep actually get a chance to flourish and become healthier and even more vibrant than they would have otherwise. And so, yeah, the three feet from gold, I'm, I'm totally with you. It's so hard to tell what you should hang on to, especially when you have to factor in that there's there's your effort that goes into it, and then there's a gap, and then success. And that gap is whether other people like it. <laughs> so you have to <laughs> see it's yeah. like it's not just up to you working hard, right? You have to it, is it popular? Does it catch on? Is it spreadable? You know, like just things like that that you really can't control. You you can put all the same effort into two different things and one product take off and one doesn't. Um that that's that's where I think people have an issue with that because they'll hang on to things that they're just not catching on. And now's the time to cut your losses, snip the rosebud off and focus on the stuff that, that works. Or what was working and it worked for a long time, but now it's not working anymore. And so like yeah. you double down on what, because it was working before when like, it, it just might not, things, something might've changed. Mm-hmm. It's true. You know? um, yeah. Yeah. That's tough in the course okay. world. Cause a lot of times by the time yeah, things, if you're in a, in a space where things move fast enough, yeah. By the time you put a really nice course together, it's like crap. Half the stuff I taught in there isn't working anymore. <laughs> yep. So you have to do yep. it back and change it anyway. And yeah, that's um yeah. If you're gonna be if you're gonna be in a fast moving environment, great. Then you gotta commit to being that person that's always on the cutting edge, and then you gotta commit to updating your course. Or you go, okay, well, let's focus on some more timeless things. And I I can I can see going either way, but there's definitely not a good middle ground. Like the middle ground gets run over by the semi truck. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So tell me a little bit about who in the listening audience should reach out to you. At what point do you love to work with people kind of in their course creation journey so they know if you're there talking to the right person, they should reach out. So if you already have a program, the perfect 
time to reach out to me is three to six months before you do a relaunch and you want to raise your prices and you want to feel like the program is totally updated and it's completely um, evolved to where you are. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's, that's really the a sweet spot for us as someone who has a program. Maybe you launched it a year or two years ago and it's done really well for you. Um, and your students are getting results, but maybe you just did live trainings at 60 minutes and they're up there and they're working, but they're no longer, um, you're no longer happy with them. Mm-hmm. And you also don't have the time to go and build out all the new materials and add in all the things you want to add and uh, take all that time to make it happen. Yeah. Okay. So three to six months. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then just how does somebody know if they're the right kind of person, any particular uh, types of subjects that you really like to, to work with uh, industries, any, anybody type of um, a certain type of entrepreneur or uh, specialist or an expert that should reach out. Uh, Our most common denominator, I guess, between our clients is they all teach some subset of business. So, you know, we've helped people learn how to grow on YouTube, how to use acquisitions to grow your business, uh, ops, you know, systems and processes in the back end, how to go from launching to evergreen for course creators, Mm -hmm. All, all of that inside of business, because we have enough business savvy that we don't, you don't have to take forever to explain to us how business works. Right. And yet we are also teachers. So we know how to explain your PhD of knowledge to someone who's a kindergartner doing what you know how to do for the first time. Yeah. We, we have a client who we have the opposite challenge with, which is he is a hormone optimization expert. And it took my team a while, like he's been a client since 2015, but yeah, for the first year or so, the terminology, like getting up to speed, all that stuff. Yeah. So it's, it's nice when you can go to somebody where you've done enough courses for other people that are similar niches that you just, yeah, you speak the language. It makes everything faster. So I love it. All right. So Jasmine, what's the, uh, what's the best place and, uh, and, uh, and way to get connected? Instagram, my name, jasminejante.com or our website, jasminejante.com. <laughs> <laughs> Real simple. I'm the only one. Thanks mom and dad. Didn't have trouble with that domain name. <laughs> uh, I know they they did. My my parents did me a terrible terrible Matt disservice. Johnson, oh oh god! <laughs> yes, there's like three professional drummers. There's like two two wedding singers. One wedding singer. One one cover singer. It's all. I have nothing. There's nothing I could do as a musician. I'd have to change my name. It's terrible. All right, Jasmine. This has been a blast. I really appreciate it. Hopefully, people get connected up with you on Instagram and, and check you out the website because I know for a lot of people in my audience, they either they have the challenge now or they soon will because everybody wants to make an impact. And the bottom line is you can't, you can't scale individual coaching, you can't scale individual consulting. So this ends up being on your radar at some point, if you want to make any kind of an impact. And the bottom line is nobody wants a course that everybody has good things to say about it. And then when you read the testimonials, you realize they only got through 10%. And all they had is like this clarity breakthrough and who who the F cares. Like you want people to actually make it through and put it into action and get results. Uh, I know all of my audience cares really deeply about having that kind of a real tangible impact. So yeah, the quality of the course absolutely matters. So I hope people get in touch with you. So thanks again for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. Thanks for rating and reviewing the show. And especially thank you for sharing the show with other entrepreneurs and experts. Every time you share the show, you're putting life-changing ideas into someone's life. Now to get the micro famous field report that helps you turn your expertise into a lifestyle business without spending all day on social media, go to microfamous.substack.com and enter your email to access it for free. That's where you get all my podcast episodes, 
articles, sketches, videos, everything goes into the Microfamous Field Report. So go to Substack, sign up for that today so you get that. And stay tuned for the next episode of One Book That Changed My Life. We'll see you there.